Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, it's Thomas Party. Welcome to this edition of Arsenal Audio Magic Program. Arsenal versus Brighton and Hove Albion, Wednesday, November the 9th, 2022. Kickoff, 7:45 p.m. The contents: captain's notes around Arsenal, sustainability, player feature: Cedric Suarez, community voice, foundation voice, minute detail, academy young gun, women around the academy. Visitors, Brighton and Hove Albion. Match action, Arsenal versus FC Zurich. Match action, Chelsea versus Arsenal. And teams. Martin Odegaard, Captain's Notes. Sunday at Chelsea was a big performance from everyone, and I was very proud of the way the team turned up. I think we controlled the game from the start of the match against a very strong opponent and it felt really good to get the away win in a big match. It felt like a big win for us and I think we deserved it from the way we played. We were brilliant from the start, controlled the game and we were the more dominant team throughout the whole 95 minutes. Then we got the goal and in the end we probably should have scored more to be honest. I had some chances myself where I need to do a bit better but we've showed everything we needed to win the game in different circumstances, and that's vital in the Premier League. At some stages in every game, there are going to be moments when you need to fight hard as well. Protect your goal, and we did that too. The way we protected the box the whole game, and how we played when we were in the lead, I think we were smart. We had the right approach and composure on the ball to keep it in difficult situations. Overall, it was a great performance. This is the way we want to play. Away from home, to be able to control these games and be the more dominant team is not easy. Then of course at some parts of the game you need to defend the box and fight like we did. We managed a lot of different situations and we've been doing that in the recent games too, not just against Chelsea. It depends what you need on the day and against that opposition and that's a strength for us at the moment. I was really impressed with the work rate from everyone too. I've been saying in the last few weeks in these notes that although we're playing a lot of games lately, Nobody is complaining or feeling tired, 
That definitely showed on Sunday. And our supporters at Chelsea on Sunday were fantastic. You've been brilliant all season, home and away. It means so much to all the players. Hearing you all match so loudly in the corner of the stadium on Sunday made such a positive difference. Thank you. We're feeling fresh, we're up for it and we enjoy to play together and we fight for each other. That's the team spirit here. Having that helps a lot and gives everyone that extra energy. You want to fight for your teammates. You want to cover if someone makes a mistake. That side of our game was brilliant too. We're a team that's good on the ball, but you saw also the job we do without the ball, the way we run for each other and fight for each other. It was a real team performance. Before the game, we talked a bit together about how important it is to win these games against the other top teams. We spoke about the game at Manchester United earlier in the season and what we could learn from that. We played okay that day, but we let them score some easy goals. We improved on that a lot on Sunday, in all parts of the game, and of course it's a statement to go to Stamford Bridge and to win, especially with a performance like that. We know it's a massive three points. In fact, I've played at Stamford Bridge three times now, and I've won all of them. We have to keep going this way, of course. It's still very early in the season, but it's nice to see our name at the top of the table. It's nothing yet, though. There are some very good teams around us, and we're going to stay calm, keep working hard and keep on improving. We've only played 13 matches in the Premier League. We know there's still a lot we can improve on, and we're working on that, and hopefully we'll get better and keep it going. Momentum is important too, and that's another reason why tonight's game against Brighton is vital. It's in another competition, but we want to fight for everything, so we're only looking at it as another important game for us. I don't know, but maybe there will be some changes in the team. Even if there is, I think everyone is ready to play. Whoever's called upon will give everything, because we're ready as a unit to play all the games. Some players have maybe not had as many minutes as they would like so far this season, but it hasn't changed the attitude at all. I think that's what makes us so special, the unity and the team spirit. Everyone is ready to fight whether it's for one minute or 90 minutes. Everyone is fighting, giving 100% all the time, in training and in the matches. And for me, that's one of our biggest strengths right now. Finally, on behalf of the whole squad, I want to underline our support for the Poppy Appeal and outline how important it is every year that we continue to remember all those who gave their lives so that we could benefit. I must say, I really admire how the Premier League clubs always mark Remembrance Day. And as club captain, I'm very proud to be a part of what Arsenal are doing to pay tribute to the amazing people who served during the wars and sacrificed so much for us all. Around Arsenal, never forgotten, as we recognise Remembrance Day at Arsenal Football Club, prior to the game, a bugler from the King's Troop, Sergeant Adam Desborough, will play the last post. They will be accompanied by a standard bearer from the local veteran society, Dennis Sharrocks. Wreaths will also be laid in the centre circle pre-match by supporters with a military connection. In addition, legendary Arsenal goalkeeper and coach Bob Wilson will read the Ode of Remembrance. Remembrance Day is particularly poignant for Bob, as two of his brothers, Jock and Billy, were fighter pilots in the Second World War, and both aged just 19 and 20 respectively, perished while serving their country. They're my heroes, says Bob of his older siblings. I would say that everything I've done in my life 
would never ever get near to what they have achieved. If you read their letters, they freely and gladly went to war. I tried to tell my grandchildren. It's about passing it on to future generations. When I got miserable and let in a lot of goals and things were going wrong, I compared it to what Jock and Billy did. North London forever. Own a poppy shirt to show your support. Football in the UK will once again come together to wear poppy branded shirts in matches played in the lead up to this year's Remembrance Weekend. We at Arsenal continue to show our support for the Armed Forces community, with all players bearing the poppy for tonight's game. The match-worn shirts are made available to purchase in a live auction straight from kickoff, with proceeds going to the Royal British Legion, and you can get involved by going to arsenal.com after the match. What's more, all strips will be personally signed by the players after the game. Once the auction ends, the shirts will be professionally disinfected, whilst maintaining the match-worn elements, before being shipped out to the winners. The red poppy is a symbol of both remembrance and hope for a peaceful future. Since it was first worn as an act of remembrance 100 years ago, the poppy has become an enduring symbol of support for our armed forces past and present. This year marks the centenary of the Royal British Legion. Throughout history, the British Armed Forces have defended freedom and democracy, and in the RBL's 100th year, we remember their service and sacrifice. To celebrate this milestone, fans will have the opportunity to bid on an additional range of exclusive prizes that have been kindly made available by the Royal British Legion's partners and ambassadors. Visit www.matchwornshirt.co.uk forward slash poppy for details. The Royal British Legion relies solely on the support of the public to provide lifelong support for both serving and ex-serving personnel and their families. Their lobbying and campaigning gives the armed forces community a voice, championing their interests to try to affect positive changes. You can go to www.britishlegion.org.uk to find out more about the RBL and how your contribution will have an impact. Don't miss this opportunity to own a piece of history while supporting the Royal British Legion's vital work. And remember, every poppy counts. Arsenal in the Community, Peace Pitch On Friday, November 11th, we are officially designating Market Road as the first official Peace Pitch in England. It will be twinned with the Peace Pitch in Flanders. The Peace Pitch commemorates the football match played as part of the World War I Christmas Truce. The community team will have 60 children from Islington Primary Schools there, plus 20 young coaches from our coach development programme. They will be playing football and also taking part in a two-minute period of silence at 11am. The children have already attended the Arsenal Hub for a workshop to learn about World War I and the Christmas Truce. For more information, go to www.childrens-footballalliance.com forward slash the-peace-field-project-film Whatever the weather Are you really okay? Roman Kemp Roman's here to help. Broadcaster and Arsenal fan Roman Kemp has released a new book called Are You Really Okay? The book tackles the stigma surrounding mental health. 
Building on the documentary Roman released about the suicide crisis in young men, he hopes opening up on his experiences in this part self-help, part biography, will help others. Roman also shares his love of the Gunners with some brilliant childhood photos, wearing the colours of his beloved Arsenal. Mikel celebrates 150 in style. Congratulations to Mikel Arteta, who took charge of his 150th game as Arsenal manager at Stamford Bridge on Sunday and recorded his 89th win thanks to a fantastic performance from his team. Mikel's overall record reads, played 150, won 89, drawn 21, lost 40, for 255 against 150. This represents more wins than any other Arsenal manager from their first 150 games. Five better than both Arsene Wenger and George Graham, who both won 82 of their first 150 matches. Interestingly, Mikel played exactly 150 games for the Gunners during his playing career with us. 131 starts, 19 as sub, 16 goals. He had an excellent record as a player too. 193, drawn 30 and lost 27. Carabao Cup Essentials You won't have to worry about being late home tonight. Don't forget that if the match is level after 90 minutes, we go straight to penalties so there is no extra time, let alone replays. The draw for the fourth round will take place tomorrow night after the televised tie between Aston Villa and Manchester United, with matches taking place after the World Cup in the week beginning December 19th. The quarter-finals and two-legged semi-finals take place in January, with the final at Wembley on Sunday, February 26th, 2023. Finally, VAR is not being used in the Carabao Cup at this stage of the competition. The streets are our own. Win takes women top. Arsenal women cruise past Leicester City on Sunday with a 4-0 win at the King Power Stadium, sending them back to the top of the WSL table. Continuing her rich vein of form, Frida Marnham got the Gunners off to the perfect start after 11 minutes reacting quickest following a save from the Leicester keeper. Caitlin Ford made it 2-0 ten minutes later, tapping home a Beth Mead cross. The goal thus extending Beth's record for the most assists in FAWSL history to 41. Before half-time, Steph Caitley scored directly from a corner, a goal with an uncanny likeness to Gabrielle's at Stamford Bridge earlier in the day. And just two minutes into the second half, Stina Blackstainus sealed a sixth win in six WSL games and a record-extending 14th consecutive league victory in a remarkable run dating back to last season. The closing stages of the game featured a special moment for 16-year-old Michelle Agyeman, who came on in the 77th minute to make her first-team debut after being with the club since the age of six. Next up, it's a huge game for the Gunners as we welcome Manchester United to Emirates on Saturday, November 19th. For more details, go to elsewhere in the programme for details of how to get tickets. Gunners Book Deal This is a chance to get a copy of the new book, I Am Gunnosaurus, signed by the club legend himself. Embark on a fun and colourful journey with our friendly mascot, Gunnosaurus 
with vivid illustrations and a poetic flair. I Am Gunnosaurus introduces key moments in the club's history through the eyes of our lovable green dinosaur. Use code IAMGUNNOSAURUS for 20% off IAMGUNNOSAURUS on Arsenal Direct and for a chance to be one of the lucky five to receive a coffee signed by our friendly mascot. Going with the flow. Arsenal loanee Falarin Bologan scored his eighth goal in Liga 1 on Sunday. The only goal in a 1-0 win for Reims over Norm. With only seven minutes remaining, Flo showed nerves of steel to score his goal from the penalty spot. Only PSG's Neymar and Kylian Mbappe, Jonathan David, Lille and Terran Moffi, Lorient, have scored more goals than Falarin in Liga 1 this season. Another loanee on the mark at the weekend was 20-year-old central defender Alex Kirk, who grabbed Air United's goal in their 1-1 draw with Morton in Scottish Division 1. Alex's second goal in four matches. And my heart will leave you never. Ref Watch Tonight's referee is Jared Gillett, who has a 100% record so far with the Gunners. Jared, who is from Queensland, Australia, was the man in the middle when we beat AFC Wimbledon in this competition 3-0 last season at Emirates, as well as a 3-0 Premier League win here against Southampton. And this season he was referee for a much tighter encounter when a late goal from Gabriel gave us a 2-1 home win over Fulham. A leading referee in the Australian A-League, Jared came to the UK in 2019 to officiate and is now a regular on the Premier League list. Good luck, Enoch. Everyone at Arsenal would like to wish former Brighton midfielder Enoch Mwepe all the very best in the future, following his retirement from professional football. Enoch joined the Seagulls in the summer of 2021 from Red Bull Salzburg and was an important part of the squad on the south coast. However, the discovery of a hereditary heart condition last month made it too dangerous for the Zambia internationals to continue playing. The right way to spend a Sunday. Living on the other side of the world from the club you love, there aren't many opportunities to meet current or former players, let alone one of the club's biggest legends, says Mike Hadnett of the Arsenal Auckland Supporters Club. But last Sunday, we in New Zealand had an experience we will never forget. Arsenal legend Ian Wright was in town for the Women's World Cup draw and through a lot of juggling, he managed to squeeze in a 45-minute meet-and-greet into his busy schedule. Having had countless messages and tweets from members of our fan club, Ian replied to our DM saying he would like to get as many people as possible, take some pictures and sign some things. We quickly sorted out a venue and rallied the crew and had about 70 supporters of all ages on hand to greet Ian with chants of right, 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 echoing around Auckland's viaduct region. Wrighty didn't disappoint. He had photos with everyone, and he signed anything that was put in front of him, including two fans who are now sporting Ian Wright's signature tattoos. Ian was amazing at interacting with everyone, and he made sure that everyone got to have a special moment with him. He truly made the experience one to remember with his charisma and glowing personality. On behalf of the supporters in New Zealand, we would like to thank both Ian and his manager Roscoe for making this happen. My blood will forever. 
Notice board. Totalizer. £280. Happy 6th birthday, Kingsley Wilson. You are the best. Love Mummy, Daddy, Karis and Kamari. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Happy 7th birthday, Henry Mansa, who is attending tonight with his best friend George. Enjoy the game, boys. Happy 7th birthday, Max Miller from Chelmsford. Enjoy the match. Love Mum, Dad and Monty. Congratulations from the Guna family, Otis, Nick, Rosie and new baby Lily on their first family home. Happy birthday, Samantha. Hope you're enjoying your first full season as a Guna. Love, Zach. Kenneth Gifford. Congratulations on your upcoming 80th birthday. With love from family and friends. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Arsenal remembers. Robert Lewis, 1946-2022. Dad sadly died of cancer in August, but saw the Gunners top of the Premier League. Life highlights include attending the 1971 FA Cup victory over Liverpool at Wembley and meeting his hero, Charlie George. Good old Arsenal. James Robert Bishop, a lifelong Arsenal fan and North Londoner who grew up in Gillespie Road and attended matches from the age of six. His wife, Penny, son Sam and daughter Ruth will forever miss him. Sachin Vajajiani. A truly amazing father, husband, son and brother. A passionate Arsenal fan and lifelong gooner. Your memory we will always treasure. In our hearts you will stay forever. We love and miss you, Satch. Les Martin. A lifelong gooner who supported Arsenal through our best and worst times. R.I.P. Ticket news. Home tickets. Arsenal vs West Ham United. Premier League, Monday, December 26th. Kick-off, 8pm. Tickets are on sale to Silver Cannon and JG members via Ticket Exchange until 5pm on Monday, December 26th. An allocation of tickets will go on sale to Red Red Cannon and Red Senior members at 10am Wednesday, November 9th. Booking fees apply. Arsenal vs Newcastle United, Premier League, Tuesday, January 3rd, kick-off, 8pm. Tickets are now on sale to Silver Cannon and Junior Gunner members via the Ticket Exchange Service up until 5pm on Tuesday, January 3rd. An allocation of tickets will also go on sale to Red Red Cannon and Red Senior members at 10am on Wednesday, November 16th. Arsenal vs Manchester United, Premier League, Saturday, January 21st, kick-off 3pm. Tickets will go on sale to Silver Cannon and Junior Gunner members at 10am on Monday, November 21st. Please note that booking fees will apply to all ticket sales. An allocation of tickets will also go on sale to Red Red Cannon and Red Senior members at 10am Monday, December 5th. Away tickets, Wolves vs Arsenal, Premier League, Saturday, November 12th, kick-off 7.45pm, Molyneux. This fixture sold out to all Platinum Gold and Current Travel Club member 15 plus away points. Run through the stone. Sustainability. On the map one. In the programme is a picture of Morris Mangi, who works as a security guard at the Arsenal Forest. 
Morris tells us that he loves his job and is amazed by the amount of people who have come to visit the site because of the famous name of Arsenal. The Arsenal Forest has featured on a number of national TV stations in Kenya, hence the huge interest with Morris revealing that fans from Nairobi regularly turn up at his gates. Nairobi is 300 miles from Bore. Also pictured in the programme is Eunice Safari with her twins, Martha and Charles. One of our workers in the nursery, Eunice uses her Arsenal Forest wages to support her twins. With the seasonal rain having just come to Bore, Eunice and everyone else in the nursery will be getting the next batch of neem ready for planting out any day now. On the map, two. We hope to expand the Arsenal Forest for many years to come, but it's already starting to cover a significant amount of ground over in Bore, Kenya. Looking at our last inventory, the official number of trees planted is 19,225. I know we have mentioned 20,000 a few times, but don't worry, we'll get there. Our neem trees cover 1,000 per acre, which is roughly 19.25 acres now planted, which is a total of 77,900 square metres planted. The current Emirates pitch has a square meterage of 7,140, so after consulting our calculator, we can reveal that the Arsenal Forest covers the area of 11 Emirates pitches. Just imagine that next time you are watching a match. We have created a diagram shown in the programme which illustrates the planted area within the ground that we have purchased for the forest, with an indicator of how the Emirates Stadium pitch would fit, approximately, into our forest. It's starting to feel like a really significant area the club and you, the supporters, are populating. Grow your own. Carbon Link has already received lots of orders for trees from supporters wishing to add to the Arsenal Forest. Well over 19,000 are now being planted. Thanks for getting involved. We want to expand our 12.5 acre area to make our forest as big as possible. There are three options to purchase trees. 25 trees for £25, 50 trees for £50, 100 trees for £100. If you are concerned about your own carbon footprint, this is an excellent way of making a small sustainable step in the right direction and also doing it in the name of the club you love. And what a unique gift for an Arsenal fan in your life. Scan the QR code in the program for the page on sustainability for more information on our project and details of how to be part of our forest. Player Feature Inspirational Cedric We speak to our players about where they find their inspiration. Our experienced Portuguese defender on how his family have played a huge part in his career and how his profession continues to dominate family life. Cedric Swaj's family has always had a huge influence on his career and in fact his father played a crucial part in his eventual transfer to Arsenal five years before it happened. It was back in 2015. Shortly after Cedric had moved to England for the first time 
when he joined Southampton from Boyhood Club Sporting Lisbon in his hometown. On a free weekend, Cedric, his agent and his father were here at Emirates Stadium to watch an Arsenal game from his agent's box and it was there that Schwarz Sr. had his epiphany. Cedric takes up the story. Yes, I always speak to my agent about this, he begins. When I first arrived in the UK with Southampton, my father said I would play for Arsenal. We came to watch a game here at the Emirates, the three of us. My father turned to my agent and said, This is the place where you need to bring my son. This was back in 2015, my first year in the UK. My father now tells me that I am playing for the club that I wanted to be at. It's actually crazy, and it's true. When I left Southampton, there were two big teams interested in signing me, and one of them, of course, was Arsenal. But in the end, it was an easy decision for me to make, because that had been in my mind. And did his father help make that decision when Mikel Arteta made the approach in January 2020? No, I didn't even tell him at first, Cedric admits. It wasn't until I knew the move was serious that I called him to tell him. I didn't want to excite him too early, in case there was a chance that it might not happen, so I didn't tell him anything at first. I didn't want there to be a disappointment if I didn't move. So I waited. Then I called him, telling him there was a meeting and they are interested. My dad was super happy, and my mum too. My brother supported me too. They were all super proud, and still are. They have been a great part of the journey. And it's a footballing journey that started way back in Cedric's formative years. Born in Germany, he moved to Portugal when he was just two, and within five years had joined the Sporting Lisbon Academy. Having an older brother who was also a player in his youth helped Cedric develop his passion for the game. But he says loving football is all he's ever really known. Yes, me and my brother always played football together, he recalls. We were born with it, I think. It's not something I ever had to push. It was natural, always just there, and we were competing together all the time. We were playing one against one, shooting wherever we were. He's older than me, so I always wanted to get up to that level. From a very young age, we were always very competitive with each other, and our father also played football, so he encouraged us and played with us. It was very nice. A childhood of obsessing about football paid dividends when he made his professional debut for sporting while still a teenager. And through all the highs and lows since then, the trophies, including the European Championships with Portugal in 2016, the transfers, the international appearances and the disappointments too, Cedric's family has been a reliable, constant presence. Definitely, he says, family was one of the strongest parts of my journey as I grew up. I had my difficult times, as everyone does, and I had to overcome some difficult moments and situations in football. My parents were always there for me, sometimes to motivate me, sometimes to criticise me. There is a balance, but all that way through my journey, they have been by my side, my brother as well. They were massively, massively important and they still are. I still call on their help sometimes. I have created this relationship with them. Some people don't really chat about football with their parents, but I do. I do it a lot. They are very involved in it. They understand my point of view. They participate. They know when I am at my best and when I'm not. 
they know me better than anyone. This is our life, and I know that when I'm playing, they will be watching. It's not even something I have to think about, because I know they will be supporting me. They try to come to the games when they can. My brother was actually over here recently for a week, and my parents try to come three or four times every season. And the defender says it's not just moral support that his family offer. They are actively involved and participate in his career, even advising on major decisions. The final decision is normally taken by me, he says, but yes, as soon as there is something going on, I chat with them about it. They help me to take the right decision. But, of course, it always comes down to me. They don't tell me what to do, but they help me see the pros and cons. We analyse the situation, and that's been the way for every transfer I've had. Every situation, basically. Also, the difficult times, when I'm angry or disappointed not to be playing, for example. Whatever it is, they are there every day if I'm feeling frustrated and need to chat. It helps to get things out of your system. Being out of the team for whatever reason is often when Cedric turns to his family. Being laid low with injury, as he was when he first signed for us, is when a player can feel isolated, especially if his family live abroad. I think for footballers, at least speaking for myself, being injured is a nightmare, the 31-year-old says. You want to be a part of it, to be there with your team. You want to be available so you can do what you enjoy. It's our job, I know that, but for me it's more than that. I will never look at it like a job. It's a passion, but for me as well it's about the competition side. I grew up like this. We didn't get any money for playing when I was young, but I still did it every single day, in the rain, terrible pitches, whatever. And I did that not just because one day I wanted to achieve something, but also because it's a passion, he adds. I live it and everything around it, so whenever that is taken away, it's difficult. In those difficult times, who does Cedric turn to first? Is it mum or dad? Turns out, it's neither. Actually, the very first person is my wife, he reveals. When I go home and I'm angry or upset, she is there for me to talk to. Either agreeing or not agreeing, but she is always listening, in the good and bad moments. As for my family, normally in the difficult moments I will first chat with my mum. Then she is the filter to my brother and my father. Then probably my brother will text me one of his long messages. That's usually more in a practical way about what I should or shouldn't do. Then my father would text me only when he feels it is necessary. He will not contact me for everything, but I know he is always there and he gets upset for me too. Geography prevents the Schwarz family from being as tight-knit a unit as they were during Cedric's Sporting Lisbon days, but he says they are still very close. My grandparents too, he adds. My grandfather died a few years ago, but my grandmother is still alive and we are all very close, even though they all live in Portugal. My grandparents on my father's side live in the north of the country, so we don't see them as much, but we always try to come together for special moments. So it has been a family affair throughout Cedric's life and career, and although he's now the only full-time footballer in the family, the topic still dominates conversation whenever they get together. 
and he believes it's impossible for it to be any other way. You always end up back at football in some way. It's my life. My parents have grown up this way too, following me, following my brother, so it has always been there. It's natural that we always come back to this subject, whatever we talk about. We like to talk about general stuff, culture as well, and we chat about each other's jobs too. My brother is a finance controller for little, and he has a lot of responsibility. It's very different to my job. He deals with numbers and is in charge of a lot for them. My mother has worked for 30 years for Slemons, a very big company too, and my father works for my hometown council back in Portugal. They all work, all have different responsibilities. We have always worked hard as a family, and this is part of it. Nobody wants to stop working, and they are all very proud. And as a family, they are rightly proud of the achievements of Cedric so far, knowing they have all played their part in some way along the road. Community Voice Project Islington Borough Under 11s Established 2022 Participants since starting 16 Weekly participants 16 Sessions Train weekly and play regular competitive fixtures Available to Selected via invitation or trials More information from James Warnock Email jwarnock at arsenal.co.uk Holly is 10 years old and from Islington Thanks to the support from the Gunners Fund, the Arsenal Foundation's small grant scheme, she has been able to pursue her playing passion with a brand new team, Islington District Under-11's girls. My big brother plays for Islington District too, and we heard about the girls' team from one of the coaches. Then my school coach gave me a letter about it as well. I played on my school team when we represented Arsenal in the finals of the Premier League Primary Stars competition at Watford this year. I really, really wanted to be on the district team. It was so exciting to think that I'd be able to meet and play with other girls like me, and I thought it would be a great experience for me. I'm lucky to play in a good boys team, but they were all talking about Year 6 district trials, and I was upset there wasn't a girls' district team. I was ecstatic when I heard they were starting one, and I'm very grateful to James, Eleanor, Will for their work. The first time I went to training I was super excited. I had met some brilliant girls at the trials, and I was looking forward to seeing new friends, but was also happy that some of my school and club teammates had got in as well. The matches have been great and I really enjoyed the Arsenal Fiverside tournament at the hub. I love training because I'm learning so much and having lots of fun. I feel like I've made some very special friends very quickly. We've bonded really well and that has made us a strong team where we all support each other. I think that definitely helps us play well together. I really didn't think I would make such a brilliant group of friends so quickly. The staff are always really fun and do a lot to help us enjoy the matches too. James has taught me a lot about respect in football for your teammates, the opposition and the referee. Will has been an amazing coach and I am learning so much. He tells me to trust my teammates. 
Ellen is the best and helped me feel better when I missed a penalty. She is so positive and encouraging. Being in the district team has made me a better player and has increased my confidence. I only play in defence in the boys' team, but in the district teams I've been given the chance to play in midfield and as striker. It has made me believe that I can do more things that I thought I was able to on and off the pitch. I'm also learning new communication skills that will help me to be a supportive and positive co-captain. My new communication skills have helped me in school, and I do feel more confident as a whole. It means so much to be involved at Arsenal as I support the team and we have season tickets for Arsenal women. I definitely want to play for them when I grow up. There are two photographs with this report in the print version of the programme. The small photograph has the caption, With one of her heroes, Frieda Marnham. The large photograph has the caption, Holly, right, standing next to her coach, has represented her school, Arsenal, and now Islington. Next stop, Arsenal women... Foundation Voice. The Arsenal Foundation helped the Mossbourne Federation buy a new rowing boat for its pupils. Danny Shaw, 18 from Hackney, but now living in halls of residence in Waterloo as he continues his studies, tells us how the boat helped his training and more. I've been within the Mossbourne Federation for seven years, through secondary school and sixth form. My time in school was stressful for me due to the volume of work and the high expectations. I would say without hesitation that rowing got me through it. I signed up as a laugh with my mates one lunchtime in year nine when I was 14. I've always loved sports and at the time I was playing rugby, swimming competitively and running. The rowing was quite unstructured at first. We would undo our top buttons, take our ties off and go on rowing machines for 15 minutes at lunchtime. We did this twice a week until we got some proper training after school. By the end of year nine, I was doing three water and two land sessions a week. I started competing that same year, but it was disappointing at first. I always just missed out on medals. In fact, I didn't win my first race until I was 17. I think part of me was always chasing a win. The facilities at Mossbourne are great. Rowing machines, weights rooms, a sports hall and a courtyard, all on site. Although not state of the art, the equipment during my time there was enough to make me into a higher level athlete. One bottleneck, however, was the quality of boats. With help from the Arsenal Foundation and a few donations from parents, we were able to buy a new boat and it made a huge difference. Called No Excuses, it was raced for the first time at the prestigious school's head of the river competition on the Thames earlier this year and the juniors won. They even made it into the Times. This was massively important for morale and motivation because it demonstrated that the perceived status of private schools over state schools is exactly that, perceived. In a sport where mental toughness and confidence in your own ability can decide which crew wins, that's invaluable. I'm now at university studying biomedical engineering, and in terms of rowing, I aim to make it into the GB rowing team and compete at a national level. Maybe one day I'll become a coach and give back to the sport in the way that my coaches have. Aside from fitness, I've made strong friendships and I've learned how to be mentally and physically resilient, competitive and confident, level-headed and calm under stress. You have to be gracious when you lose and sporting when you win. All of these qualities are essential on the water and carry over to a successful life. 
I do think that in a time where football clubs are worth incredible amounts of money, communities benefit immeasurably when such organisations invest and give back to the local people. Even the smallest gesture can go such a long way. For more info, visit mossborn.org. Minutes detail. Since the start of the Premier League in 1992-93, Arsenal have scored more than 2,000 goals. In the series, we choose one memorable goal per minute. Today, we're looking at three more, starting with our first ever goal at the start of a new dawn for English football. Steve Pold. Arsenal 2, Norwich City 4. August the 15th, 1992. AFC PL goals in 28th minute, 22. 28 minutes into a new era, defender Steve Bold headed Arsenal into the lead against Norwich City at Highbury. This was our first ever game in the newly formed Premiership as it was then, with the top flight of English football moving away from the old football league. And the exciting new age began well for us with a classic George Graham era goal. Nigel Winterburn swung in a dangerous free kick from the right wing and towering centre-half-old out-jumped everybody in the box to glance home his header. Champions of England just 15 months earlier, the Gunners were up and running again. Kevin Campbell made it 2-0 before half-time, but the Canaries produced a stunning second-half turnaround to run out 4-2 winners on the opening day. Come the end of the season, we would be celebrating, though albeit not in the Premiership, but at Wembley completing the first-ever domestic cup double with another centre-back, Andy Linegan, scoring the last gasp winner in the FA Cup final on the last day of the season. Laurent Kojelny, Arsenal 2, Southampton 1, September the 10th, 2016. FC PL goals in 29th minute, 15. What a way to celebrate your birthday! with a spectacular overhead kick to equalise in our first home win of the season. And what makes the goal more impressive? It was scored by central defender Laurent Koscielny, who netted only 22 Premier League goals in his whole career. Southampton had taken the lead early on, thanks to an unfortunate Petra Cech own goal, to pile more pressure on the hosts. But just before the half-hour mark, Koscielny took matters into his own hands. Southampton had two attempts at clearing a corner, and as the ball dropped out of the sky near the penalty spot, Koscielny flung himself into the air and connected with an acrobatic overhead kick to stun the Emirates. For the rest of the game, Koscielny returned to what he did best, keeping out the opposition attack, which meant that Santi Carzola could secure all three points with his last-minute penalty. Thierry Henry Arsenal 1, Manchester United 0, October 1, 2000. AFC PL goals in 30th minute, 23. Another iconic Thierry Henry goal at Highbury, and another goal on our list against old foes Manchester United. Henry had scored 26 times in his debut season, but this strike, early in his second campaign, really began to underline just how talented our young forward was. The ball was rolled into Henri while he was being closely marked by Dennis Irwin with his back to goal just outside the area. The Frenchman instantly flicked the ball up, pirouetted on the spot 
and volleyed with his right foot over a shell-shocked Fabian Bates and into the top corner. It seemed to take the clock-end crowd a split second to comprehend what they had just witnessed, a moment of pure genius. Henri had well and truly arrived in English football. United boss Sir Alex Ferguson said afterwards, You can't do anything about a goal like that. I couldn't believe it. Young Gun, Matt Smith, our under-21 skipper, talks loan spells, training with the first team and making sure he is ready as and when Mikel needs him. Interview, Samuel Gilbert, photography. David Price Fact File Born Harlow, October 5th, 2000 Joined Arsenal, May 11th, 2009, aged 8 Signed Pro, February 2019 Arsenal Career, Under-18s, 49 appearances, 9 goals, 15 assists Arsenal Under-21s, 31 appearances, 2 goals, 4 assists Loan Career All League One, 2020-21, Charlton Athletic, 8 appearances, 2021, Swindon Town, 27 appearances, 2 goals, 4 assists, 2021-22, Doncaster Rovers, 49 appearances. I think this season has been really good for me so far. I'm enjoying the senior role I've been given with the under-21s and the responsibility of being captain of the group. Having been out on three loans so far in my career, I can definitely help the lads in the team to let them know how it's going to be a bit later in their career and give them little tips here and there. Working under Mehmet Ali has been really good. He has been helpful for me tactically, but also really good for me in terms of pushing me to keep my standards high and keep me on track every day. Obviously, I've been lucky enough to be training with the first team most days, but for a player in my position, who has been out on loan a few times and has been around that first team environment, to then being back in an academy set-up can sometimes be difficult. But Mehmet demands a lot from me and knows how to get the best out of me, so I think we have a good relationship. By Mehmet giving me that responsibility this season, I think it says a lot. I know that I have to set a good example to the other boys in the team and be a good role model. It's funny because Mehmet and I didn't really have a conversation at the start of the season where he let me know I would be captain. I wore the armband for one pre-season game and then I think once he knew which players he would have for the season after the transfer window shut, I was just the captain from that point forward. I had enjoyed all three of my loans and obviously gained a lot of experience and developed as a player massively from them. But when it came to making a decision on where to play my football this season, I knew I wanted to give it one more go at Arsenal. I think sometimes it can be forgotten that the reason players go out on loan is to develop as a person, as a player, and ultimately come back with a view to make it into the first team. And that's what was the ambition for me. I feel like I had done my time out on loan. I could have gone out again, but something about that didn't feel right, so I didn't think it would do me any harm to give it a go and stay here up until January at least. 
my loans were all massively valuable experience for me. All three were different. They weren't all good, and there were ups and downs, but I can definitely say that they were all still valuable because they all play a part in shaping you into the player that you want to be. I would say that at Swindon Town is where I played my best football and where I felt at my best. I went on from being at that high at Swindon to then going to Charlton, where I wasn't really playing, not making the squad. But you have to still take the experience from that and ask yourself what you can learn. Doncaster Rovers is where I played the majority of the games, so I can't complain in that department. But it's also where I was around a team that was fighting against relegation. So it's all a part of the experience of going on loan spells. They give you the tools to come back here and show how you've developed as a player. Going out on those loans has given me that exposure to senior football and that experience of playing against all different types of teams and styles and learning different sides of the game that you don't get from playing academy football. It's helpful for me this season that we play in the Papa John's Trophy, that I can know what to expect from those games. But for the other boys in the team, it's a great experience too. The game we played against Ipswich Town earlier this season at Portman Road, we walked out onto the pitch and all the lads were like, wow, this is a proper side. It gave everyone a wake-up call that this isn't even the highest standard. But that's the standard that hopefully some of us will be playing at or even higher. As a player, it has always been my dream to make my first team debut for Arsenal. I would say that every game that I've been on the bench for this season, that I've been thinking to myself, this could be the one. It's just about being ready for when that opportunity comes, and making sure that you take it. You only have to look at Reese Nelson. He has taken his chance this season, and that opportunity can come when you least expect it. The likes of Bradley Ibrahim, Kayon Edwards and Catalin Kirjan have been with me in the squads this season and I've been helping them with a few little things here and there. Just having been around the first team environment more, you pick up on the little things that you should and shouldn't do and when you're younger, you don't always know those things. I would say the majority of my training this season has been with the first team and I definitely feel more at home in that environment than ever. I was around the first team a bit before I went on my first loan to Charlton, and then I went on two loans since. But I didn't really have the opportunity to work with Mikel properly. Coming back into that first team environment in the summer was a bit of a strange feeling, because I hadn't been involved for a while, but they made me feel massively welcome. I think there was a little bit of an adaptation period at the start because it's obviously massively different from what I've been experiencing with a League One team to then working under Mikel. Tactically, it's massive under Mikel, so I had to get used to it again after being away from that for two years. But now I think I've adapted well to them and I'm comfortable with the staff and players in the first team. I would definitely say there's a difference to training with this group than from my first spell training with the first team. The togetherness and camaraderie is massive. You can see the players in training are demanding a lot from each other, and that comes from the boss. Everyone has such high standards, and I feel that's why we're doing so well at the moment. Two years ago, before I went on my first loan, Granite was really good for me, 
and I think any of the young players going up, because he sets the level so high and demands that from not only himself but every player, every day. I think he's a top professional and someone a lot of academy players can look up to. Coming back to this environment two years later, Granite is exactly the same and you can see in his performances recently that he has gone up another couple of gears. He's someone that both before and now I've always looked up to, and he's helped me with bits along the way. Then Thomas Partey plays in my position as a holding midfielder, and I look at him in training and try to pick up on little bits that he does and how he implements things that the boss wants tactically. Mikel obviously played in my position towards the end of his career, and after training he will give everyone different tactical advice on what they can do to improve their game. There have been a few occasions after sessions with me where maybe I haven't understood something entirely and he'll walk through it with me. He has been really good in that sense. Being patient and needing to wait for your opportunity can be frustrating for any player. But the key is how you react to having to be patient and that's massive for the boss with the values that he has. You have to find a way to make that frustration a good thing and use it in training to show that you really want it. Sulking and keeping your head down is not going to benefit you in any way. Every day is an opportunity to impress and show the boss that you're ready. So every single time I go over with the first team, that's what I try to do. From a selfish point of view, you can't worry too much as a player about what other people are doing. You're on your own journey in football. If you work hard every day and do things properly, give it your all and keep trying to improve, you can't do much more than that. Everyone's journey is different. I've been fortunate enough to have some amazing experiences at this club. Lifting the FA Cup at Wembley is something that I will never forget and something that can never be taken away from me. It's funny because that day happened, but then after that summer I was out on loan in Swindon. So it was a massive contrast in such a short space of time. One month you won the FA Cup and then the next you're hit with the reality of things in football. That experience at Wembley was something I will never forget and I can never thank the boss enough for involving me in that and making me a part of that. A massive part of my decision to stay at Arsenal this season was to not just make my first team debut but also look to break into the side and have a future at the club. I'm at that age now where that's the reality of things, and I'll be giving it my best shot. Arsenal Women Get set for United at the Emirates. The big games just keep on coming, and don't forget that our next home game is a huge clash against Manchester United at Emirates Stadium on Saturday, November 19th. This will be our second Women's Super League game of the season at the Emirates, where a record-breaking crowd of 47,367 watched Jonas Eideval's side defeat Tottenham Hotspur 4-0 in September. And we've already sold more than 27,000 tickets for the United Clash. Prices start from £12 per adult and £6 concessions for general admission, or £35 per adult and £17.50 concessions for club-level tickets. 
Concessions are available stadium-wide for those aged 16 or under, over 65, or with a disability access requirement. The match will kick off at 5.30pm and will be broadcast live on Sky Sports. But we're hoping to see you there as we continue what's shaping up to be an intriguing rivalry. The Red Devils have been tough to beat ever since Casey Stoney led them into the Women's Super League in 2019 and in our very first meeting, when Arsenal were the reigning champions. It took a last gasp winner from Danielle van der Donk to claim all three points. The onset of Covid meant we didn't host United at home that season, and by the time we did, Stoney's side had claimed their first win over the Gunners, with Ella Toon scoring an 83rd-minute winner at Lee Sports Village in November 2020. We had our revenge at Meadow Park the following March, when a Millie Turner own goal and a Lot Vubenmoy header sealed a 2-0 win. Goals from Caitlin Ford and Viviane Maydimmer repeated that scoreline away from home last season, but United then won 1-0 at Meadow Park in the Continental Cup quarter-final and led in the Women's Super League encounter too, before sub Stina Blackstenius scored on her debut to earn a point for the Gunners. Manchester United have taken another step forward this season after a summer in which their new recruits included Nikita Paris from Arsenal, talented defender Maya de Tissier from Brighton and France defender Aysatu Tonkara from Atletico Madrid. With a host of internationals in a squad that's flying high, this promises to be our biggest test of the Women's Super League campaign so far. Don't miss it! Lioness's call-up trio. Beth Mead, Jordan Nobbs and Lot Vubenmoy have all been named in Serena Weichmann's England squad for the upcoming friendlies against Japan on Friday, November 11th and Norway the following Tuesday. It's pretty well known that Beth has been in sensational form lately, but Jordan has been rewarded for her own recent displays. She opened the scoring in our 3-1 win over FC Zurich with a sumptuous volley and thumped home the equaliser on our way to a 3-1 win over West Ham United just three days later. Lot, meanwhile, has played a big role in the heart of our defence in our record-breaking run of 13 straight Women's Super League victories. Frida up for Fans Award Well done to Frida Manham, who has been nominated for October's PFA Fans Player of the Month Award after some blockbuster performances in the number 10 role. There have been some notable milestones recently as well. Viviane Miedema made her 150th appearance for the club in the recent 5-1 win at Lyon in the Champions League. And at the recent win over West Ham United, she was given a pitch-side presentation by ex-gunner Leanne Sanderson, who wasn't too shabby in front of goal herself. Next up, in case you missed it, Katie McCabe made her 100th Women's Super League appearance in the 3-1 win over West Ham and capped it with an assist for Manham's third goal. The Republic of Ireland captain joined the club back in 2015 and has been a regular at both left-back and left-midfield since a brief loan spell at Glasgow City in 2017. 
As if all this wasn't enough, we also want to say congratulations to Arsenal legends Karen Carney and Katie Chapman, who were both inducted into the Women's Super League Hall of Fame at the end of October. The pair enjoyed huge success at Arsenal and were both regulars in the team that won the quadruple in 2006-2007. Arsenal on TV There's good news if you have a busy schedule and can't make it to every Arsenal game in the Women's Super League between now and Christmas because all three of them are live on television. Following the Manchester United match, our home game against Everton at Meadow Park will kick off at 2pm on Saturday, December 3rd, live on the FA Player, while our final Women's Super League game of 2022 is at Aston Villa on Sunday, December 11th at Villa Park. That gets underway at 4.15pm and is live on Sky Sports. Fixtures and Results 16th September, Brighton and Hove Albion, home, Women's Super League, WSL, 4-0. 20th September, Ajax, home, UCL, 2-2. 24th September, Tottenham Hotspur, WSL, 4-0. 28th September, Ajax, UCL, 1-0. 16th October, Reading, WSL, 1-0. 19th October, Lyon, UCL, 5-1. 23rd October, Liverpool, WSL, 2-0. 27th October, FC Zurich, home, UCL, 3-1. 30th October, West Ham United, home, WSL, 3-1. 6th November, Leicester City, WSL. 19th November, Manchester United, home, WSL. 24th November, Juventus, UCL. 3rd December, Everton, home, WSL. 7th December, Juventus, home, UCL. 11th December, Aston Villa, WSL. 15th December, Lyon, home, UCL. 21st December, FC Zurich, UCL. 15th January, Chelsea, home, WSL. 22nd January, Brighton and Hove Albion, WSL. 5th February, West Ham United, WSL. 12th February, Manchester City, WSL. 5th March, Liverpool, home, WSL. 12th March, Reading, home, WSL. 26th March, Tottenham Hotspur, WSL. 2nd April, Manchester City, home, WSL. 23rd April, Manchester United, WSL. 30th April, Everton, WSL. 7th May, Leicester City, home, WSL. 21st May, Chelsea, WSL. 28th May, Aston Villa, home, WSL. Around the Academy. Honours even after tough encounter. Mehmet Ali reflected that our under-21s 1-1 draw against Crystal Palace on October 31st was probably a fair result as we extended our Premier League 2 unbeaten run to 10 games. After Malcolm Abioe broke the deadlock for the Eagles on the half-hour mark with a first-time finish in the box, 
Our young gunners responded well, and shortly before the break, Mauro Bandera found the equaliser with a delicately placed shot from just inside the area. Despite several near misses during the final 45, including a long-range effort from Bandera deep into stoppage time that crashed onto the crossbar, the well-matched sides settled for a point, and manager Ali felt it was what both teams deserved. A real tough fixture for us this evening, and a lot of credit goes to the Crystal Palace coaching staff, he said post-match. We've watched a lot of their games. They've been going really well in PL2, and in the Papa John's Trophy as well. I was really proud of our boys. First half, I thought we were excellent. We managed regains well. We got after the opponents. We made them kick it a little bit longer. And we had some good chances. We just weren't deadly in the final third, and I think that's what cost us. Not one to dwell on league standings so early in the season, Mehmet reiterated his primary focus, as well as sharing why he believes our young gunners are still unbeaten. The most important thing is the first team being top of the league. That's number one. For us, it's about taking each game as it comes. Wherever players are playing, they've given everything, and that's what we want. We want to keep pushing them, keep improving them. There is a reason why this group of players are unbeaten, and I think that's because of what they do every single day in training. Elian Casada Thorne, marauding left-back, who recently made the jump from under-18s to regular starts with our under-21s, also gave his assessment on the match. It was a tough game overall, but the boys dug deep, he said. We played against a very good Palace side. First half, I thought we were a bit stronger than the second half, but yeah, it's good to keep that unbeaten record. It's a big step up to the under-21s, but I feel like I'm taking my chances as well and proving myself. We're looking forward to Sunday. Wilshire, it's good learning for us. Our under-18s four-match unbeaten run came to an end on Saturday, October the 29th, as we were beaten 3-1 by Aston Villa. Ishmael Ulad Mhand scored a late consolation goal for Jack Wilshire's side with a free kick, 20 yards from goal, after the hosts raced into a three-goal lead. The defeat saw us drop down one place to fifth in the under-18 Premier League after seven matches played and Wilshire gave an honest assessment of his side's performance after the match. Villa made life really difficult for us today, he said. They pressed us well, and we needed to be better in possession throughout the whole match, and we gave the ball away too much. Despite that, this is a good learning experience for the boys, playing against a team that is very aggressive with their press. We'll learn that to beat a press like this, we need to move more make more angles, so it's all good learning for the boys. We've got a great group. They're brilliant players, and I've just taken every experience to learn from them as well, he added, when Emil met Kiki. One of the special guests at our recent victory over Nottingham Forest was rapper, musician and actor Little Sims, a big Arsenal fan from Islington who has recently won the prestigious Mercury Prize for her latest album. As well as supporting her local team, Sims has another link to the club in that her nephew Kiki is a proud member of our under-9s up at Hale End. Kiki was also invited to the match and as well as catching up with his famous auntie, 
The eight-year-old also got to meet Emil Smith-Rowe, who was only nine when he first joined the Gunners himself. Our number ten has gone on to be an inspiration to all the youngsters at Hale End, with his outstanding progress through to the Arsenal first team and England. They've been here B4. The latest recruit to the academy coaching staff is academy coach developer Matthew Joseph, and if that name sounds familiar, it's because Matty played for the Gunners 30 years ago. The addition of Matty to the team makes it four former youth team players now looking after the stars of tomorrow. We all know about Jack Wilshire, of course, who played 197 first-team games for the club, scoring 14 goals. His assistant with the under-18s and coach of the under-17s, Adam Birchall, was a prolific goalscorer with the academy for a decade, having joined us as a nine-year-old in 1984, before making a great career in the lower leagues with the likes of Gillingham, Barnet and Dover Athletic. Julian Gray is also assisting Jack and Adam with the under-18s and was a highly rated winger at the Arsenal Academy in the late 1990s, making a single Premier League appearance for the Arsenal first team on the last day of the 1999-2000 against Newcastle United at St James Park. Julian later starred with Crystal Palace, Birmingham City, Coventry and Walsall, and even enjoyed a stint in Greece with Famagusta. And now we have Matty developing our academy coaches, schooled in the Arsenal youth team of the early 90s, and later a defensive stalwart at Cambridge United and Leighton Orient. You can find out more from Matty in our Inside Job feature after the World Cup break. In the print version of this programme, there are three separate photographs and four grouped together. The one at the head of the article has the caption, Mauro Bandera pointing celebrates his goal in our 1-1 PL2 draw with Palace. The second, Ishmael Uladnhand scored a free kick for the under-18s. And... Elian Quesada Thorne in action for the under-21s. And the group of four, the four returning players, Julian, Jack, Matty and Adam. The Visitors, Brighton and Hove Albion. Brighton in the League Cup. Best Performance, Quarter-Finals, 1978-79. Fourth Round, 6 times. Third Round, 12 times. Second Round, 20 times. First Round, 23 times. Most Goals, Peter Ward, 11. An eventful season for Brighton and Hove Albion continues this season as they target a place in the fourth round of the Carabao Cup for the third successive season. FA Cup semi-finalists four years ago and beaten finalists back in 1983, the Seagulls have never gone beyond the quarter-finals of England's secondary domestic cup competition, reaching the last eight just once back in 1978-79 when they were knocked out by eventual winners Nottingham Forest. It was Leicester City who barred Brighton's route to the quarter-finals last term the Foxes winning a fourth-round penalty shootout after a 2-2 draw at the King Power Stadium, in which the visitors twice came from behind. The Seagulls had earlier knocked out two Welsh sites, winning 2-0 away at Cardiff and at home to Swansea. 
This season, Brighton's second-round tie brought a 3-0 victory away to Forest Green Rovers, in which Graham Potter effectively fielded a reserve team. Potter, of course, is no longer the manager of Brighton. He cut a frustrated figure on the touchline against Arsenal on Sunday as the manager of Chelsea, the club that lured him away from the south coast in September as the replacement for Thomas Tuchel. He had three progressive seasons with the Seagulls, following his arrival from Swansea in 2019, keeping them in the Premier League with 15th and 16th place finishes before taking them to a club-high ninth last season. The new man in charge is Roberto De Zerbi, and there was no little irony in the fact that the Italians' first win came against Potter's new club, a 4-1 success at Amex Stadium on October 29th, ending a five-game winless sequence in the Premier League. That run had stalled a brilliant start to the campaign that kicked off with a 2-1 win at Old Trafford against Manchester United and brought 13 points from the first 18. Potter's reign ended with a 5-2 home win over Leicester. While Brighton's priority will be to finish as high as they can in the Premier League in what is the club's sixth successive season among the elite and only their second top-flight spell ever, After the four seasons they spent in the old first division from 1979 to 83, the prospect of a good cup run is something that must surely appeal to a club that has never won major silverware nor competed in Europe. The boss, Roberto De Zerbi, head coach. Born 6th of June 1979, Brescia, Italy. Previously, Foggia 2014-16, Palermo 2016. Benevento, 2017-18, stroke Sassuolo, 2018-21, stroke Shakhtar Donetsk, 2021-22. A surprise appointment when he succeeded Graham Potter at Brighton in September, 43-year-old De Zerbi was relatively unknown in this country, although he did manage Shakhtar Donetsk in the 2021-stroke-22 Champions League. He left Shakhtar by mutual consent following the Russian invasion of Ukraine with the team leading their domestic league and will hope to bring to England the qualities displayed in his homeland with Sassuolo, his entertaining style helping the provincial club to successive 8th place finishes in Serie A. As a player, he represented a dozen Italian clubs, winning his only silverware late in his career at Romanian side CFR Cluj. Number 11. The Hotshot. Leandro Trossard. Forward. Born. Mars Mechelen, Belgium. 4th of December 1994. Previously. Genk. Lommel United. Loan. Westerlo. Loan. Lommel United. Loan. O.H. Leuven. Loan. Maverick forward Leandro has been a man on a mission for Brighton this season. Scoring goals galore, including a fantastic hat-trick, the first in the Premier League by a Brighton player in a 3-3 draw against Liverpool at Anfield. A mercurial talent, the 27-year-old was signed by the Seagulls after an outstanding 2018-19 season in which he helped Genk win the Belgian League title. A score against Arsenal here last season in a 2-1 win He is now established as a regular for Belgium as they head to the World Cup. Number 5. The Skipper, 
Lewis Dunk, Defender Born Brighton, 21st of November, 1991 Previously, Bristol City, alone. Local lad Lewis came through the club's youth ranks and has been the team's central defensive linchpin for the past nine seasons, helping the club win promotion before establishing himself as a Premier League mainstay and also winning a single England cap in November 2018. The big centre-back missed a sizeable chunk of last season with a knee injury, but has been firing on all cylinders in the current campaign and is fast closing on 400 appearances for his hometown club. Number 1. The Keeper Robert Sanchez, Goalkeeper Born Cartagena, Spain, 18th November 1997 Previously, Forest Green Rovers, Lone, Rochdale, Lone. Robert's sudden rise to prominence as Brighton's first-choice goalkeeper a couple of seasons ago not only prompted Matt Ryan's lone move to Arsenal, but also earned the Spaniard an unlikely international call-up for his country's Euro 2020 and 2021 Nations League squads. The 24-year-old, who has been on Albion's book since he was 15, and progressed through their academy to the first team, started all but one of last season's Premier League fixtures and has been just as regular this term. Number 10. The Playmaker Alexis McAllister Midfielder Born Santa Rosa, Argentina 24th of December 1998 Previously, Argentinos Juniors Boca Juniors, Lone Signed from Buenos Aires' side, Argentinos Juniors, in January 2019, Alexis joined on a four-and-a-half-year contract but returned on loan back to Argentina before finally making his Seagulls debut in March 2020. It was a relatively slow start to English football for the 23-year-old who represented Argentina at last year's Olympics. But since last Christmas, the gifted number 10 has been a regular starter in the site recently signing a new contract extension that will keep him at Brighton until June 2025. Number 13. The Stalwart. Pascal Gross, midfielder. Born Mannheim, Germany. 15th of June 1991. Previously, Offenheim, Karlsruhe, Ingolstadt. Two impressive seasons in the German Bundesliga for Ingolstadt prompted a £3 million transfer to Brighton following their promotion in 2017. And Pascal quickly made club history by becoming the Seagulls' first scorer in the Premier League with a double against West Brom. The skilful schemer was at it again on the opening day of this campaign with another brace in the Seagulls' 2-1 win against Manchester United at Old Trafford, adding further goals in home wins against Leeds and Chelsea and grabbing the winner in the 3-2 win at Wolves on Saturday. Number 30. The man from Ecuador. Purvis Estupinan. Defender. Born. Esmeraldas, Ecuador. 21st of January 1998. Previously, LDU Quito. Watford. Granada, Lone. Almeria, Lone. Mallorca, Lone. Osasuna, Lone. Villarreal. A key member of the Ecuador side that qualified for the forthcoming World Cup, starting 17 of their 18 matches and scoring two goals, Purvis was also voted into the 2021 Copa America team of the tournament. 
the powerful left-back has already made a bright start to life in the Premier League following his summer move to Brighton. He joined the Seagulls after two memorable seasons with Villarreal under Unai Emery, winning the Europa League and reaching the semi-finals of the Champions League. Number 25. The man from Ecuador. 2. Moises Caicedo. Midfielder. Born. Santo Domingo, Ecuador. 2nd of November, 2001. Previously, Independe de Valle. Beershot. Loan. Since making his Premier League debut here at Emirates Stadium in Brighton's 2-1 win last April, Moises has been an immovable presence in the Seagulls' Premier League midfield an all-action central midfielder who defends and attacks with the same purpose and commitment. He turned 21 only last week and has long been earmarked for a career at the top level. He is already a mainstay for Ecuador, starting 15 of their qualifying matches for the 2022 World Cup and scoring twice. Number 7. The Stalwart. Solly March, midfielder. Born, Eastbourne. 20th of July 1994. Previously, Lewis. A South Coast native, Solly has been a Brighton player for over a decade, starting off in the Championship, helping the team win promotion and establishing himself in the Premier League, where he has made more than 150 appearances for the club. A left-footed winger who can operate on either flank, he has mostly been deployed this term on the right although in and out of the side last season after coming back from a lengthy injury, the 28-year-old has been a regular starter in 2022-23 under both Graham Potter and Roberto De Zerbi. Scouting Report Words Michael Cox Photography Getty Images Roberto De Zerbi had to wait for his first victory as Brighton manager, but when it finally came it couldn't have been sweeter. Not only did his side defeat his predecessor, Graham Potter's Chelsea, 4-1, they did so in precisely the manner De Zerbi wants. Heavy pressing, quick forward passing and lots of runs into the box. De Zerbi has largely stuck to the Potter template since taking charge. He initially continued with a three-man defence, although used a back four for that victory over Potter's side. But there's the same curious use of players. He used Leandro Trossard as a left wing-back against Nottingham Forest and then up front against Chelsea. He used Pascal Gross as a number 10 against Brentford and then at right-back against Chelsea. His tenure thus far feels like a continuation of the Potter approach rather than a radical departure. The win over Chelsea was essentially achieved in a superb spell in the first 15 minutes with heavy pressing from Trossard and Cuaro Mitoma who played on the left wing. They continually forced mistakes in Chelsea's defence, particularly from the usually unflappable Thiago Silva. Brighton's more regular centre-forward, though, is a familiar face in Danny Welbeck, who hasn't yet registered in the Premier League this season, but has been outstanding in terms of link play. He was involved in all three goals when Trossard hit a hat-trick in a 3-3 draw at Anfield in De Zerbi's first game. Adam Lalana, who was briefly in caretaker charge after Potter's departure but never took charge of a game because of the death of the Queen, often plays the number 10 role, with Gross the alternative if he's not required elsewhere.
On the right, Solly March is enjoying a fine campaign, showing trickery out wide and also acting as a goal threat at the far post. He's comfortable at right back, wing back, right midfield or as a right winger in a front three. Alexis McAllister and Moises Saicedo have formed a good midfield partnership, with McAllister pulling the strings and Saicedo capable of pushing forward. They've effectively been the only constants in any otherwise ever-changing Brighton formation. That's because, while Lewis Dunk and Adam Webster have remained in the side, sometimes they've played as a centre-back pair, and sometimes Joel Veltman has joined them as part of a back three. He can move out to right back if needed, while Pavis Estupinan, the replacement for Mark Cucurella, has sometimes switched off defensively but offers a great attacking threat from left-back. Goalkeeper Robert Sanchez is one of the Premier League's better shot-stoppers, although hasn't always looked comfortable when dealing with crosses. De Zerbi may rotate his squad tonight, and there are players who need minutes. For all the chopping and changing in terms of system, Brighton have only handed Premier League starts to 14 players this season, and one of them, Enoch Mwepu, has since been forced to retire with a heart problem. Core beliefs. For all of their many changes of system and positions, eight of Brighton's first-team squad have started all 12 of their Premier League matches, including Adam Webster. This hints at a team who know each other's movements well, but also suggests the Seagulls may find it harder to gel if they choose to rotate players tonight. Match action. Europa League, Thursday, November 3rd, 2022, 8pm, Emirates Stadium. Arsenal 1, FC Zurich 0. Timeline. 17 minutes. Tierney smashes home a superb long-range shot to make it 1-0. 36. Nketiah's headed effort is well saved. 40. Vieira's shot is blocked after a great move. 68. Ramsdale saves well from Marchisano. Kieran Turney. Job done is how you'd describe it. We'd have liked it to be more comfortable, but it was never going to be easy. They came here with a lot to play for as well, but we dug deep and we defended well at the end. They put a lot of pressure on us. Facts. We have lost just one of our past 20 home group stages matches in European football, winning 16 and drawing three. We have won all eight of our matches against Swiss opposition. We finished top of Group A and will go straight into the round of 16 in March. Match action. Chelsea versus Arsenal. Chelsea nil, Arsenal 1. Arsenal scorer, Gabriel, 63rd minute. Sunday, November 6th, 2022. Stamford Bridge. Timeline. 29th minute. A brilliant move from the back creates a chance for Jesus. 63rd minute. Gabriel scores from virtually on the goal line as Saka's corner evades everyone. 75th minute. Odegaard shoots over after great play from Jesus. 77th minute. Xhaka has a shot well blocked. Facts. We've become the first visiting side to win 10 Premier League matches at Chelsea. 
we remain the only side to have scored in every Premier League game so far this season. This was Mikel Arteta's 150th game in charge, the same number of games that he played for us. All 10 of Gabriel's goals for us have come from corners. Martin Odegaard. I think it was a big win. We deserved the win. We played well from the start. We controlled the game. We were the more dominant team, I think, throughout the whole game. And we got the goal in the end. Teams. Teams. For Arsenal. Manager, Mikel Arteta. Shirt, red with white sleeves. Shorts, white. Socks, red. One, Aaron Ramsdale. Goalkeeper. Three, Kieran Tierney. Four, Ben White. Five, Thomas Partey. Six, Gabriel Magalhães. Seven, Bukayo Saka. Eight, Martin Odegaard. Nine, Gabriel Jesus. Ten, Emil Smith-Rowe. Eleven, Gabriel Martinelli. Twelve, William Saliba. Fourteen, Edian Kitia. Sixteen, Rob Holding. Seventeen, Cedric Suarez. Eighteen, Takehiro Tomiyasu. Twenty-one, Fabio Vieira. Twenty-three, Albert Sambi Lokonga. Twenty-four, Reese Nelson. Twenty-five, Mohamed Elneny. Twenty-seven, Marquinhos. 30. Matt Turner, goalkeeper. 31. Carl Hein, goalkeeper. 34. Granite Sharka. 35. Alexandra Zinchenko. 83. Ethan and Waneri. For Brighton and Hove Albion, head coach. Roberto de Sobi. Shirt. Blue and white striped shirts. Shorts blue. Socks blue. 1. Robert Sanchez, goalkeeper. 2. Tarek Lamptey. 4. Adam Webster. 5. Lewis Dunk. 6. Levi Colwell. 7. Solly March. 10. Alexis McAllister. 11. Leandro Trossard. 13. Pascal Gross. 14. Adam Lalana. 15. Jakob Moda. 18. Danny Welbeck. 19. Jeremy Sarmiento. 20. Julia Nkiso. 21. Denise Undav. 22. Keoru Mitoma. 23. Jason Steele, goalkeeper. 25. Moises Kankedo. 27. Billy Gilmore. 28. Evan Ferguson. 29. Jan Paul Van Heck. 30. Purvis Estupinian. 34. Joel Veltman. 38. Thomas McGill, goalkeeper. 41. Jack Spong. 42. Adeluga Ofia. 47. James Furlong. 49. Andrew Moran. 51. Cameron Poupion. 53. Jack Hingey. 53. Ed Turns. Referee. Jared Gillett. Assistant Referees. Neil Davis. Stephen Meredith. Fourth Official. Andrew Madley. Tonight's other fixtures. 7.45pm kickoff unless stated. Newcastle United vs Crystal Palace. Wolverhampton Wanderers vs Leeds United Nottingham Forest vs Tottenham Hotspur Southampton vs Sheffield Wednesday West Ham United vs Blackburn Rovers Liverpool vs Derby County at 8pm Manchester City vs Chelsea at 8pm No room for racism 
Kagera National Park, Rwanda. Your safari awaits. Visit Rwanda, official tourism partner of Arsenal Football Club. Plan your journey at www.visitrwanda.com. Instagram and Twitter at visitrwanda underscore now. It's time to step up your cyber protection. Get hashtag cyberfit with Acronis. Acronis, official partner of Arsenal. Adidas Arsenal New 22-23 third kit Available now at the Armoury and ArsenalDirect.com